Hey, Tyler. Hey, Jay. So, I have a question. What? Imagine yourself at the Giant Eagle, the local grocer. Wait, a very specific Giant Eagle or just any Giant Eagle? Your Giant Eagle. Okay. I don't have a Giant Eagle. You don't have a Giant Eagle? I mean, there's one close to me, but I don't go to it very much. Where do you go to? Aldi. You go to Aldi. Yeah, Giant Eagle's so expensive. It's true. Yeah. I'm a Trader Joe's guy myself. Okay. But anyway. Trader Joe's is actually Aldi. Aldi. Yeah, Yeah. they're the same thing. It was one company in Germany, and then they were brothers, and they got in in, in a fight, and so they created separate companies. uh, But when they came to America, one was allowed to be Aldi, and the other one wasn't. Super exciting. Yeah. I, I enjoy both establishments. But still, you are staring down the barrel of the cereal aisle. Okay. Let's go to Giant Eagle for that one because we need the the, yeah, the, the actual brand names. Brand names. Okay. Yeah. So you were staring down the, the barrel of the cereal aisle. Yep. However, it has just been announced in the news that all the cows on the planet have died Ooh. overnight. Okay. So there's no more milk. There's also no more beef. That seems to be... I know. That's a bigger yeah. concern, but we're <laughs> one at a time. One at a time. I'm less concerned about the cereal situation. <laughs> uh, okay. You, so you have to select a cereal... Okay. That you could eat for all time without milk in the bowl. Okay. What's you going to go with? Golden Grams. Wow. I mean, like an immediate yeah, answer. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. Why? Golden Defend Grams your doesn't answer. need milk. At, so would you... Period. Would you habitually... <laughs> <laughs> would you regularly eat Golden Grams without milk? Yeah. Really? I don't, I, don't, I don't know that I regularly eat cereal. I mean, I regularly eat it, and then I eat it on a regular basis, but not daily. Mm. So I'm not a daily cereal eater. Uh, but I love cereal. Yeah. Um, and I think that Golden Grimms, I discovered this one time on a mission trip when I was a kid. All right, we went to, we were on a youth trip, and my parents were youth leaders. And so I w- we were going back to Pennsylvania from Iowa. And so I was coming along because our family, our family was going. So I was riding along, like with a bunch of youth kids like yeah. high school kids and i'm like 10 and they had all brought um uh cereal boxes of cereal because they were told to bring boxes of cereal of the little no, singles like, like full on boxes, boxes like to share with the group okay and i it, while i was in the van found someone had bought a box of uh golden grams i was a little hungry so i like i snuck my hand in there and got it and grabbed a handful and ate it and it was amazing to the point that i then kept sneaking stuff and yeah. realized when we got there i had eaten like Nine tenths of the box that was brand new full, and so then just quietly like chucked it back under there. Um, but it was, I mean, golden grams are based on graham crackers, right? Which are you don't need milk for eaten that. without milk, yeah. Right. And uh, I don't, I've never tried a golden or graham cracker with milk, I don't know what that would be like. I was quickly trying to figure out if we had the supplies here. Oh. I don't think we do. I don't think it would be a bad idea. No, I mean, I, I'd be I, open to I it. like Oreos with milk, I prefer yeah. my Oreos, with milk. yeah, yeah. Um, so. That I mean, that early experience as a young lad has uh, pre preset me as a uh, as someone who can enjoy golden grams without the cereal. I do think that there. I mean, there's several. Like I think Fruit Loops are really good without milk. Fruit Loops could work. I think they're probably better with without milk. I like yeah. Fruit Loops better because the milky cereal makes them too sugary. Yeah, that's even true. though the, obviously the same amount of sugar is in them, but right but um, the combo. Yeah, the combo. I think uh, like Cookie Crisp, the ones that kind of seem to be their own thing. Yeah, Cookie Crisp, like it's like tiny cookies. Yeah, someone tried to figure out how to get cookies for breakfast. Yeah, it, yeah. They Whereas like um, the Reese's Peanut Butter Puffs, yeah, like those are great, but not just a handful. They're like a little too greasy. Right. But if you put them in milk, fantastic. So, so that, that would be the next half the, of this question. Yeah. What cereal is now off your list? I think that's the one. That's I think it, that, the that's Reese's. my that's my favorite go to. 
That's the one that I, I will get that. I don't ever eat it at breakfast, but I'll get like a box of those. And even the Aldi brand of those are yeah. pretty good. I kind of like them better than the Reese's ones. But. I haven't been to Aldi in a hot minute. Is it bag generic or is it no, like boxes? No, it's, it's boxes. Like Aldi has really upped their game in the last decade. Yeah. Like it's a real store now. It used to just be like the grocery aisle in a Dollar Tree. <laughs> <laughs> like it's really felt like real bad. But uh, now it's like real food and uh, like enough. But that's our main way of getting groceries. Are they still the uh, quarter for the? Yeah. For the? The, yeah, the shopping and cart. it's exponentially cheaper than a real grocery store. Oh yeah, so that's that's no, what same I love. same Trader Joe's. Yeah, yeah. Same, same, Trader Joe's. same principle. Yeah, uh, Trader Joe's feels a little more hipstery, but there there's an Aldi that's, that's like half a mile from our house. There's a Trader Joe's like five miles from our house. Yeah, so, uh, that's where we go to Aldi. Um, but yeah, it uh, their cereal is regular. So I think that would be the one. Would be the the, the peanut chocolate. butter the peanut butter puffs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what I mean. Cheerios are real good on their own. Honey Nut Cheerios. I regularly, the boys have Cheerios yeah, in the, the morning. that's the standard kid thing. And, and I steal. Yeah. I blatantly steal from them. And pretty much every day, our kids, uh, they only recently, and again, our kids are uh, nine, eight, nine and a half, eight, and so, six and a half. And, uh, you need to think about that for I a did, bit, yeah. I did. It, it, one's on the right, the other one's on the left. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the, uh, but, um, they usually have cereal, but they'll have a cup of cereal instead of like a bowl of cereal, like without milk. So they'll yeah. just like scoop cereal into a cup. And we often have Cheerios as our go-to, like various flavors of Cheerios, mm-hmm. so like honey nut or like banana Cheerios or maple Cheerios and things like that. But, yeah. Um, they Cheerios work real well just as a, as a cup. So yeah. that, that actually might even be better than Golden Grahams because they're not as powdery. Yeah, that's true. They're they're definitely travel, travelable. Yes. Tra- travel. Travel friendly. Portable? <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's what I was going for. Po- potable. Port something? Words. Yeah, you can drink it. It's yeah. potable. Yeah, it's potable. Yeah. It's potable Cheerios. What is the word? That's a great name for a punk rock band right there. Potable Cheerios? Potable Cheerios. So, as someone, you camp, yeah? Yeah. Okay, I do not. Just recently. Uh, Like, just recently you started or just recently you have no, camped? No, just recently I went. Oh, nice. Uh, What does the word potable mean? Drinkable. Why don't... I don't know. I, it, don't, don't, don't. Yeah. But it's not potable. No. I used to think it was potable because it had been like cooked in a pot <laughs> or portable, then they left out the R. Yeah. No. Potable. But it's I potable. Don't. Can you pot something? Uh, apparently. So yeah. poting is, is yeah, something that's pot. able to it's drink? very potable. <laughs> I'm going to pot it right now. Boy, that, that man is pot. He's <laughs> a potly fellow. So what would be your, um, what would you lose? I, I don't think I could, and this is ironic, this is where the question came from. We celebrated as a youth group not long ago, a couple months ago, mm. National Cereal Day. Yeah. Uh, and had a full cereal bar. Yeah. With all different t- flavors of cereal and then different flavors of milk. Yeah. So like your regular 1%. What was the most popular flavor? I got to tell you, what really went well together was Cocoa Puffs with banana milk. Ooh. Oh, different kinds of milk. I yeah. didn't hear that part of it. Yeah. Yeah, that was a that was cocoa a, puffs with banana. That would be really good. It's chocolate and the banana. And if you threw in like a handful of Fruit Loops, that would almost right. taste like some kind of like banana split or something. Also in that category, and the cocoa puffs reigned supreme that night. I didn't see them coming, but they were a big game player. Yeah, uh, there was mint milk available. Oh, cocoa puffs and mint milk. I might have to just like tag along next time you do this. Oh, this it was great. Like we idea. plan on celebrate as a youth group plan on celebrating uh, cereal day every year. Yeah. But so now there's a whole bunch of leftover bags of cereal and yeah. not milk. Yeah. 
Uh, so Lucky Charms, I will routinely find myself snacking on without milk and go, I'm not enjoying this. Yeah. But I'm still eating it anyway because I'm hungry. Yeah. In fact, I'm sitting here thinking about getting up from the table and going to get Lucky yeah, Charms. Yeah, I do and like, and I've munched on, I mean, I've snacked on Lucky Charms sans milk many a time. It's But just, you invariably find yourself eating all the marshmallows yeah. first. Or yeah. it, when I'm paying attention, I eat the marshmallows last because I, I am one who eats the vegetables on my plate before. I, yeah. I, I, whatever I don't want to eat, I eat that first. Yeah, I'm not that which, guy. Yeah, well, that's why I have uh, become a, a member of the Clean Plate Club. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Which is a great thing when you're five, not so great when you're 35. Yeah, right, because you guys play on everybody else's plate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And those clean plates all uh, make up. you a husky dude. <laughs> so, uh, and what was so? What was the uh, was was Lucky Charms? Yeah, I don't think I could do routinely Lucky Charms yeah. sans milk. I think I'd be sad about that. Yeah. What would I be okay with? I, I think I'm with you. The Golden Grams is a good answer. I, I would have done Cookie Crisp right off the bat because it's just pretty good. Also potable. Honey Checks is also a good one. Yeah. Like Checks in general, um, Honey Checks is really good. All right. Yeah, they're a good snacking one. Yeah. I feel like there was another one. Sarah's real big on uh, honey bunches of oats and uh, grow up. I'm not grow that. up. I don't. I don't want that. Is that honey a real thing? Yeah. Grow up. Grow up. That's. <laughs> I love it. Sarah's like, well, I need a nice big bowl of grow up this morning. <laughs> Sounds like a like a weird euphemism. Yeah. No. No. It's like it's too adulty. Really? <laughs> the honey bunches of oats? No, grow up. Oh no, grow up's not an actual cereal. Oh, okay. I no, thought you said there's saying, a cereal called grow up. No, I was saying grow up. <laughs> As an admonition. Oh, that brings me to the thing that I wanted to do at some point. I think we missed our window. Oh. The Honey Bunches of Oats Chicken and Waffles. Oh. oh yeah. Yeah. So at one point, we were, I wanted to do a theology of weird foods. <laughs> <laughs> or like, it's not too late. No, we can still do it at some point. But the nice thing about that was that you get this super weird. Like, so they recently, honey, it was Honey Bunches of Oats. And there was bacon maple donuts flavored honey I could I could get next to that that was actually not very good really yeah it tasted weird usually bacon improves everything but then but it, it was I, fake bacon I was gonna say I'm assuming faken. this is artificial bacon yeah. maple yeah. faken uh, <laughs> and uh, then the other one was chicken and waffles yeah and I really like the chicken and waffles really oh it sounds gross and I'm sure that the majority I think if you did a taste test nine out of ten people would be like I don't like this mm. I did yeah because I like chicken I like chicken and waffles. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the the especially if you've had chicken and waffles before. Like, I used to think. Uh, I mean, being a person of limited cultural experience, being growing up in Midwest Iowa and being mm. white, uh, I was not. I did not know of um, the beauty of soul food and the different cultural yeah. foods. And I thought it was just a place that served chicken, but it also served waffles. I didn't right. know that you would get them on the same plate. Right. And so eating those two, like fried chicken. And waffles and syrup all together was a unique experience, and, and um, it was probably maybe like ten years ago. It was the first time I had it, and it was at the Waffle House. Right? Where'd you go? I can't remember where I went. I think it was somewhere in Atlanta, and it said chicken and waffles. And I was like, I'll take chicken and waffles, and they gave me one plate with chicken and waffles. If it was the Waffle House, you'd remember because you'd have been feared for your life the entire time you were there. I love Waffle House. Oh my gosh! I only get like a huge <laughs> plate of hash browns with everything on it. It's a like miracle you're still alive. Oh uh, yeah, Waffle Place, Waffle House. <laughs> So the, the best thing about Waffle House is that it feels like it should be like I still now that you can't smoke in restaurants anymore. Mm-hmm. It's so weird because that place needs to smell like cigarettes. <laughs> so you go in there and it feels like there's something missing. Can't we get like an air freshener or something that would air freshener, that would, an air, an air, an air, air conditioner? conditioner? Yeah. 
an air D freshener. It almost feels like if you go into like a super, um, a super well soundproofed studio, uh-huh. and you know, like, like you go, you know, yeah, exactly. And there's like no, there's like no action in the room. Yes. Like where the where it's too like there's no reverberation or something and and just even walking in without talking your ears are like something because there's no like ambient hiss or noise yep. or just anything, and so it feels a little weird. Yeah, that's what Waffle House feels like without cigarette smoke in it. <laughs> like you go and you're like ah, something is missing here and I don't know what it is. It's not necessarily something I want, but I feels odd. And so I think this is a dream and we're in the Matrix. Uh, ah, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's probably true. I'm gonna put this out there as a hot take. Either agree or disagree. I love it. I think breakfast is the best meal to eat out. Oh. If you're going to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. I, gotcha. I think I think breakfast is the way to go. I wouldn't uh I wouldn't be ready to claim it as the best, but it's definitely a solid uh-huh. uh choice to eat out cuz I mean my the things that I think are the best to eat out are things that I cannot make myself. Right. And I can make most breakfast suits. I can't make like eggs benedict. So a lot of times right. I get eggs benedict just because if I did make it, I can eat it in about 30 seconds. And I know it takes a long time to make it. Yeah. It's Benedict to make it well. So I'll, I'll get that a lot of times. Uh, but yeah, it's a pretty, I'm always in the mood for breakfast. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that's, that's a pretty solid choice on that standpoint. Yeah. Well, I'm Jay. I'm still thinking about breakfast. <laughs> and this is Roughing the, the Pastor. Are off. The gloves are off. So, Jay, I want you. Um, are you aware of uh, um, politics? I am a, a very, <laughs> very. <laughs> I can't even joke about. So, I went through a deep phase. This is just for where I am. Yeah. For the listeners to get a sense of how. Do we it, need? Do we need a a, a, a disclaimer no, at the top of this? One? No. This is it. This okay. is the disclaimer the for disclaimer. the rest of the episode. Okay. Sometimes I get in bed and I'm having a hard time sleeping. Yeah. I will routinely put on the news. Okay. I will listen to the news. Yeah, yeah. Okay. To fall asleep. Ah. It is so soothing to me. Nice. That I will fall asleep watching nice. MSNBC or CNN or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah. Which I just tipped my hand a little bit yeah, on that. Yeah, you did. But that's all right. So I'm okay with d- it. What do you, well, I thought you said you'd watch the news. <laughs> it sounded like you're, you're watching some fantasy watching shows. Fake before, news. Yeah. Yeah. See, I watch I watch some Fox News before I go to bed. Oh, the, boy. The news. The news. So uh, here's a disclaimer. We're going to talk about politics. Yes. Uh, but the we're not going to tell you what to think. No. Uh, we're not going to tell ourselves what to think. And But we are going to talk about politics because as as clearly, like the two things you're not supposed to talk about are religion and politics. Let's do them both. We've been talking about religion this whole podcast. That's the whole <laughs> point. And we should also talk about politics. And I would argue that by not talking about religion or politics, it's made our religion and our politics very toxic. Oh, 100%. And very bad. And so we got to talk about it. Yeah. Um, here's the disclaimer that I would say. 
before we get any, any started in this, I'm about to tell you things that you're not supposed to tell people. Yeah. I'm going to tell you exactly how I voted in the last five elections. And um, one thing that we tend to do is as soon as we hear how people voted, we put them in boxes. Right. And we assume that they're, I'm going to tell you one, that I don't watch Fox News. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's not a good program. <laughs> I think it tells things that are not true. Um, I don't say that in a partisan way. I yeah. say that in a in an objective way. I think that it objectively tells mistruths. Um, I think that all all news programs, all news channels, do that yeah. to a degree. There's bias everywhere. Yeah, there you, is you bias everywhere. You but can't avoid it. I think one of the one of the things that makes Fox News more seditious is that it it pretends as though it has no bias. Right. And it blatantly has a bias. <laughs> I think that CNN also tries to say that it doesn't have a bias but in the times where it has biases it is more open to that it's like this is a commentary and it also tries to be somewhat objective where fox news has an agenda mm-hmm. that they're pushing um in a way i mean msnbc has more of an agenda even than yep. than i mean they, they are very clearly we're a progressive we're a left-leaning news source cnn tries to be down the road they, but they also they're competing with these two yep. sensationalist um, choices, and and to be middle of the road is to be milk toast, and we're not allowed to be middle of the road in politics anyway anymore. So you kind of have to pick a side. So they're kind of picking a side without picking a side yeah. because nobody wants to hear the middle; they want uh, one side or the other. And yeah. so most of my news I actually get from NPR, which I do think is about as middle of the road as you can get, and uh, and actually journalistically really good yes and they admit they they do their best to be objective almost to a fault yeah uh and that's, i know i know i get it yeah i get it and like we all know he's lying let's just say he's lying i know that you don't want to say that because it sounds uh uh editorial but yeah. he it's a lie like it just yeah, that's just a lie call it uh so that uh, all that is as a disclaimer uh please hear everything that we're about to say uh without trying to put us in boxes right. because that's kind of the whole point of this conversation is we need to be able to talk about this stuff openly without having to hide stuff or pretend that we're not anything. Yeah. Um, and that if we can't do that, then we won't be able to have these conversations we won't, and it'll hurt us as a community. Right. Well, I think it's something you said earlier too, that we were not trying to tell you what to do. That's where it gets tricky for us as pastors. Yeah. Um, because it sounds like when I tell you what my political opinion is, I'm telling you what yours should be. Yeah. And that's, this is or not that, that everything we say is secretly trying to manipulate you in right. a certain way. No, no, no. And absolutely not. The only thing that we're trying to, and manipulates the wrong word. The only thing we're trying to persuade you to believe is that Jesus is good yeah. and that we should listen to Jesus yes. and do good things yes. and help other people. And, uh, my politics are a reflection of my understanding of Jesus. They are, but my understanding of Jesus is not a reflection of my politics. Correct. We definitely, in the last 15 years, let's say, mm-hmm. um, the political spectrum, especially for those who are younger than us and don't really wor- remember a world like this, it did not used to be like this. Right. Uh, I know that there were times throughout history where it was probably this bad, but not in our lifetime and probably not even the lifetime of our grandparents. Like it was no. not this vitriolic and this polarized politics has always been dirty and gross and people have been mean, but it's never been this total and this polarized. I have some ideas as to why. Yeah. There's a lot of, there's a lot of reasons, but, but so when I was growing up as a kid, um, it was less, um, urgent that you define which side you were on. Right. And it was also, it was very clearly not, understood that all Christians were conservatives. Right. 
uh, it was just assumed that Christians were Christians, right? And you can be political, and it didn't define who you were. Pro life, pro choice was not a thing, right? Not even really until like the late eighties, early nineties. Yep. Like I know that Roe versus Wade was in the seventies, but the idea of picking a side in terms of abortion that did not exist when yep. I was growing up. No, nope. um, and it was, and it, it maybe in some circles, but it was not part of the mainstream zeitgeist until probably the 2000. Well, even if it was, I mean, this is my theory because I, I obviously had a perspective to play in this, but like in the nineties when I was in youth group, I wasn't talking about abortion. Like no. It just wasn't part of the no. vernacular of what we were it going wasn't. through. And it wasn't even assumed like we're not talking about it because everybody's on the same page. No. It was just like, we're not talking about it because why we, why would we be talking? Well, about and there was no oversaturation of media and news the way that there is now. Yes. Like I think that's the main reason why. One of my favorite shows ever, ever, ever is the West Wing. Uh, okay. I've watched it yeah. multiple runs through. And it takes, I've not seen, I've seen half an episode. Oh my god! I know, I really need to go through it. Wow. I really like Aaron Sorkin too. Uh, they, it takes place in the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And they're worried their news cycles are based on newspapers. Yeah. Because like back then there was oh, yeah, yeah. CNN, but there wasn't. It CNN wasn't, was kind of it for right. 24 hour news. Right. And, and it, so like you were playing to the newspaper. So like even if things were issues, we and I remember too, it was like before, so I was 11 during the first Gulf War. Uh -huh. um, and I remember before that CNN was like a struggling kind of thing. Yeah. And, but that was like the shining moment for CNN because you wanted to know about the war and it was on all the time. Yep. And it had, uh, James L. John was just, would go, this is CNN. And they had the <laughs> boom, 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 boom. And I remember, I remember we, we had it on all the time. That was the first time we ever had the news on all the time. By the by, I'm going to throw a little shade. Yeah. Probably the first of many times in this yeah. conversation. The James Earl Jones, uh, this is CNN thing, they still do. And it might be the only bright spot CNN has going for him right oh. now. I'm just saying is all. I listen to that, I get satisfied, and then everything else happens. It's only because you're super excited for the new Lion King movie. Right? Not even a little. Oh, you mean it's so much that it's not even a little. It's over. It's It defines who you are. I saw it when I saw Endgame. They did a, a preview for The Lion King, and I sat there and went, no. I, oh, won't, be, yeah. I won't be doing yeah. that. Uh, I'm a little more interested in that than I am in almost any of those remakes. Yeah. But we got to do an Endgame episode. We even if it's do. a mini episode. We do. Oh, man. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, back to so the the disclaimer that so I was a kid growing up in Iowa and Iowa has the Iowa caucuses so yes. I, first thing politically I remember there first thing first political thing I remember is that my grandma did not like Ronald Reagan okay and I remember thinking what do you mean you don't like Ronald Reagan <laughs> he's, everybody everybody he's, president. he's the president yeah. everybody likes Ronald Reagan and right. in that way that like as a kid at least in the way that it used to be I don't know that my kids my kids certainly don't feel this right now um, <laughs> but that. Uh, that you just the president was the president and yeah. you just you just think, well, everybody likes him or he wouldn't be the president. Right. And uh, so that uh, I remember thinking you're not you you kind of have to. I remember thinking she going to get in trouble for not liking Ronald <laughs> Reagan. And why wouldn't you like Ronald Reagan? He's on my TV all the time. Right. Um, and then the so the 1988 um, caucuses, the primaries. When they came to Iowa, I was the state that gets them the first. And so all the candidates come to Iowa. And I, so as I was thinking back and trying to figure out where were my parents politically when I was a kid? Yeah. Because I don't know. And so I was trying to think, oh, okay. So we had that caucus in 98. That's when I remember when politics were coming to play. And I remember it came down to they were going to vote for one of two people okay. in the Iowa caucus. 
and this I was like, not good. I remember this as my memory is no. coming into play. Wait, help me out, does so I can have context before you tell me. Is Iowa open primary? It's an open primary. So you could do Democrat, Republican. Yes, and this was 1988, which was a uh, a non-incumbent year. Right. Reagan had served two terms. Right. So it was full full tilt on both sides. So it was a full, like there was at least 10 candidates on either side, uh, probably more. And so my my parents were either going to vote for Pat Robertson or Jesse Jackson. So I know you cannot nothing find about yeah. what my parents believed. You could I, not find two people for yeah, whom those no, are their one two exactly. Now remember, now this is 1988. Pat Robertson, 1988. Right. Jesse Jackson. So right. they're very different than the caricatures that they both became of who yeah. they are. But they became, if you are not familiar with those two people, they became caricatures of the far extreme right. Yeah. and the far extreme left. They really did. And my parents were undecided as to which of the two of them they were going to vote for. <laughs> That's uh, incredible. Also, to, uh, not to spoil how things went, but neither of them became no, the nominee for even, the Democrats not or even the Republicans. Close, if memory serves. No, I don't yeah, think no. so. I think Jesse Jackson got kind of close, and then there was some kind of scandal or yeah. something. I mean, a scan, a 1988 scandal, which is he probably said shut up to somebody. And then yeah, he was right. like, well, too unprofessional to be the <laughs> a person with that mouth yeah, could yeah. never yeah. occupy the Oval Office. This is an office for class. There was a there was a, uh, a tweet just a little while ago when um, President Trump, this is a total aside, but President Trump had the. Oh, wait, you're dating this? Uh, no, no. Cause no, this was, you're dating the bike saying President Trump. Yeah. Well, I think everybody knows at this point. I know, but like if things happen in the next couple of weeks, that we don't know, then they'll know we recorded this while he was still president. Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, I just figure everybody calls him president, you know, even after you get kicked out. That's true. It is still President Clinton. <laughs> All right. Uh, but but President Trump had the uh, the college football, basketball, some college athletic yes. team over during the shutdown. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, it was a football team. And had a, a spread of every kind of fast food imaginable yep. over the White House fine china genuine class and the the pictures of it were just incredible and the one tweet somebody had that was just great was somebody figure out time travel go back to 1988 and show them this picture and say something's going wrong yes you need to fix it what have you done this is your future <laughs> you need to doc fix brown it. Yeah. please come uh, somebody somewhere anyway you have to watch ah, one of the next week. I'm going to bring you yeah. back to the future trilogy. I need to so get, you on, watch that. It, I need that, to get on that. You would have so many cultural references for wait, that statement you just made. If you'd seen <laughs> any, you haven't seen any of them. I think I saw back to the future once, but it's so long ago that like, I have no, I know there, there. So that's one of, the, one of the static that in all the, re, the responses that we've got, by the way, uh, this is now the second episode that we're recording since the episodes have gone live. So yeah. thank you for the responses guys. That's this right. is great. We that's, love this has been. This, there's a lot more people into this thing than we thought would be. Yeah, I figured it would be my mom, and that was pretty much it. I thought it would be me, <laughs> and hopefully you. Yeah, right. And and then I wasn't even sure if my wife would listen to it. But yeah, that uh, was questionable. Yeah, she likes it. Yeah. It, oh, it's, oh, it's so exciting. So That's good. hooray for everybody. That's good. And at some point, I need to remember a friend of mine, Rachel C, gave us some uh, alternate uh, titles for what we should call the show. And oh, it's, it's hilarious, but I forgot where they are so i need to find them they're on instagram somewhere so I'll, I'll read them next next time we have yeah this. yeah um but so anyway that so was back to nineteen eighty. yeah back to 1988 so th- i mean me trying to figure out that so um then uh george bush george herbert walker bush gets elected very excited again because he was the vice president for reagan and uh i i thought i'm a kid everybody loves reagan so yeah. uh everybody should love bush and then bush didn't get reelected. i remember thinking what 
no. Yeah. And it was solely because I loved Dana Carvey and the Dana Carvey <laughs> George Bush. I was like, what are we not going to get more Dana Carvey George Bush? Not going to do it. Yeah. Oh, hey, George Bush just walked in here. <laughs> Hi, George Bush. Oh, oh, oh. Hey, uh, Rob Williams came in too. Mm, it's awesome. It's all right. Mm, uh, mm. Gang's all here. Yeah. Gang's all yep. here. There we go. Stupid sexy Flanders. <laughs> okay, so. <laughs> So uh, the, the, the anyway, <laughs> yeah. Segue back from that. Um, so uh, flash forward to I turn eighteen and yeah. I'm able to vote. Uh, yeah. Clinton has been president twice, um, and the first election that I can vote in mm-hmm. uh, is two thousand. So okay. I turn I turn eighteen. Yeah, in makes sense. You were you were one ahead of me. Yeah, and I registered uh, Republican. Okay, because that's what my family was. Right, and I just thought this is what we do, and I did not like Clinton. Because he beat George Bush, <laughs> I think it still went back. <laughs> Not to that. anything else that no, you could I mean, potentially that was, have problems. That was with primarily Clinton. it. Yeah, and so I therefore I did not like Gore, and so right. I voted against Gore because I didn't like Clinton, and yeah. I didn't like Clinton probably at the heart of it just because I really <laughs> missed Bush. Dana Carvey. <laughs> and uh, so wait, that what that was the cal- that's interesting though. The calculus was not here's George W. Bush. The nope. son of the president no. I really like. No, I was not voting for George W. Bush. You were I was voting, voting against, against the people that beat him. The people that kicked Dana Carvey off of Saturday Night Live. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm 18. People make dumb choices. I was oh, 20 totally. at that point, I guess. Yeah, right. Um, totally. So anyway, I remember during that election watching the returns coming in and being very excited. Yeah. When Bush, uh, Walker Bush, uh-huh. was given the thing and thinking like, yeah, this is great. Hooray, take that gore. <laughs> Lockbox. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, and especially watching on Saturday Night Live, uh, like he was not great, but Will Ferrell was fantastic. I, I got, you got a point at this point. Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live was such an influencer. It's great once every four years. <laughs> yeah, it, is. it really but is. But especially for young voting age kids, it oh, is yeah. this huge influencer yep. who you want to vote for. And so I was like, I would love to have Will Ferrell doing this for a while. I do not want uh, to hear <laughs> Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond doing Al Gore because that's kind of boring. Yeah. Lockbox. Uh, so uh, then 9 11 happens. Yes. And nine uh, eleven changes a lot of things. <laughs> Everything. Yeah. And uh, George Walker Bush gets uh, a, he has a ninety two percent approval rating yep. for a while, which I think is the highest recorded approval rating for a president ever. Yeah. And he had it for like three, four months, something like that. And he had been down to like thirty two percent before that because he had been doing nothing. Right. And I think then, the biggest thing he was doing is stem cells before yeah. 9-11 happened. Yeah, and Republicans were not on board with that. Yeah. And I was like a hate. I was still, I was just a, this is who I am Republican. Right. I was a, I had a, no, I was not, like, because at that point you didn't have to really be strong for one way or another. Right. There's no reason why you did it. You just did it because you did it. Right. It's like, I like this sports team because my family always have liked it. And so, yeah. um, so th- then... Then that happened, and then the Iraq War happened. Yeah. And by this point, I'm 21, 22. And I'm starting to really look at this and really think about stuff. And I remember thinking, this is the first time. And, and it's also weird coming, becoming an adult because you're really starting to realize you're allowed to think critically. Yeah. You don't just have to agree with what your parents agree with, or you don't have to just disagree with what your parents disagree with. And, and you can come up with conclusions on your own that are fine. like Because you hit a point, especially in high school, as much as you want to be your own thinker, we are still confirming a lot of our, our our hardcore beliefs based on the people that we really respect, yeah. and which is not a bad thing. And as adults, we still do that thing. Right, but right, right. You're kind of saying like, "This is what I think," but everybody else thinks that, right? Yeah. 
okay, okay. Double as checking. long as that's what everybody thinks, then we're good. Or at least these people that I really respect. Like if I'm going to go against the grain, I want to go against the grain with that person who is also going against the grain. I'll follow that person, go against the grain. Yeah. And I remember thinking when we went into the Iraq war, we should not be in Iraq. We shouldn't be here. There's not a good reason for us to go in there. The weapons of mass destruction thing turned out to be fake. Yeah. And I remember thinking, that's not right. Yeah. And I, that was the first time where I flipped and thinking like, ooh, I don't, I don't know about this. And uh, I don't think that that's right. And then I started to notice that I always still kind of liked Bush. And I still think that – I think Bush is one of the more likable presidents as a person. Man. I, I, if he was in the room right now, I think it'd be more fun. Yeah. I think that, that, that he's a he's a fun guy. He's a nice guy. Just watch Michelle Obama hang out with him. She loves him. Bush, the other day I was watching a documentary on the 2000s. Yeah. And when 9-11 happens, I still, even as a more liberal democratic side of the ball thing, yeah. watch him in the immediate aftermath of 9-11 and got like teary-eyed. Yeah. His like he, response in that moment is not the best, but I don't know what else you do when no, he's right. finding about it. But his response in the weeks following. Well, specifically even like Ground Zero yeah. standing there with the And what horn. he says about Muslims is yeah. huge. Unbelievable. It, we don't recognize this as much that right after that, George Bush, George Walker Bush gives a, a, a speech within like a week of mm-hmm. 9-11 saying how important Muslim Americans are to yes. this country. and yeah. how I mean, it's so foreign from where we are right now. Yeah. That he makes a point to say, do not blame Muslims for right. this. It is not Muslims that did this. Right. And I think the Iraq war was a blunder, but 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 that doesn't make me like him the person any less. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think he was great for what he was doing. I think he really genuinely had a good heart for. Yeah, I, he really did care. Yeah. And um, and I think that that was genuine. I think he made a lot of mistakes, but I think he was always trying to do what was best. I think there was a lot of people around him who were bad people. Yeah. Who were taking advantage of power and, and trying and taking advantage of him, yeah. and um, and knew that they themselves were not electable as president, but if they put this person up here, they could do a lot of things, yeah. and they did. Yeah. Um, and so then, uh, so I voted for John Kerry uh-huh. at that time, not because I was in love with John Kerry, because I was voting against. And so each of my votes at this point are always against someone. Yep. I'm not Protest voting for votes. anybody. Yeah. And um, and then. Um, I lived in Illinois by this point. I was a, I was a oh, school man. teacher. You were, and the, you were at the epicenter of what comes next. I was at the epicenter next. of what comes next. And uh, in Illinois, we have a new senatorial election. And this uh, guy with a funny name and really big ears, <laughs> but a great smile, named Barack Obama, mm-hmm. starts running for Senate. And he and I watch all these Senate race things. And he is brilliant and yeah. like saying all these great things and really... Feels like, yeah, this would be a guy. And at this point, too, I'm a history teacher. Uh, I'm 25. I'm like a, a really de- uh, like that. The distance of those three years from me voting in 2000 uh, or even voting in in, uh, in uh, 2004 uh, to me in 2006. So those two years or so, like I have become uh, a word that didn't exist at that sense, but woke to political <laughs> right. realities like that. Right. I need to care about this stuff. Um, and, and, and I can make my own decisions and stuff like that. And so I'm really watching a lot of political stuff and watching as many different news channels as I can and trying to be, build up my acumen. Yeah. So uh, making educated choices because uh, again, I'm educating young people. I need to be educated myself and, and be, have a diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. So throughout all of this, I was, uh, actively registered independent Mm -hmm. or registered actually. Uh, so I lived in. Illinois and Florida 
and Wisconsin. You're just bouncing around all the North states. Carolina. I know. Yeah. So yeah, I literally every every one. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that was my adult life. Was first we lived in uh, outside of, after we got married, we moved to Florida, lived there for a little bit, then we moved to Illinois, then moved to uh, Wisconsin, then moved mm-hmm. to North Carolina. So I was uh, I was um, in all of those uh, states. They have open primaries, which yeah. means you can vote in for whoever. You don't have to vote Republican or Democrat. Pennsylvania needs times. to get this right. Yeah. Oh, man, it's terrible. And so I, for the longest time, was registered as, and I think all of the states, instead of re- having to register as an independent, I could register as unaffiliated. Yeah. Which I really loved because I think that that was a pretty good uh, estimation of of who I was and how I want to be. In, and I think still who I am, that I'm unaffiliated because I, I don't vote party line. Uh, even when I do vote party line, it's not because I'm trying to vote party line. It's because I think all these people are the best people to do it. Uh, and that's not to say, so I'm objective and my opinion matters so much because no. I'm thoughtful, but it, know that uh, this has uh, part of this thoughtful experience and, and thoughtful working of politics is actually you can be well informed and always vote for a specific party. Sure. So it's not to say all the smart people vote this way or or, or I used to be dumb and now I'm smart. <laughs> right. Um, it's that being informed means you you vote for who you think is best going to. There's no candidate who's perfect. No. Uh, and there should be no one thing that is like the the no. I mean, outside of like racism and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, right. But there's no, well, there should be no, well. <laughs> there should be no policy <laughs> stance that like they're a great candidate except for this one thing. Uh-huh. And to be a one issue voter, I think is really toxic, but we'll get more into that. So I lived in Illinois, uh, really liking who this guy is, Barack Obama. Vote for him for Senate. Oh, you got to vote for him one more time than yeah, I did. So yeah, so I often, if, if ever people ask me how I voted, I'm fine to tell you. Uh, I will often, I like to start off and say, did you say, did you vote for Obama? I say, uh, Obama. And I say, yeah, I voted for him three times. <laughs> and then I just wait for people to try to be like, what? One, yeah. two, hey. Yeah, like, so I voted for him. He was my senator. Hmm. And then uh, he ran for president. I was at the Iowa primary uh, in 2008, got to shake Barack Obama's hand twice. Oh, you jerk. I know. So his hand here, in case you're wondering what it's like to shake Barack Obama's hand, it's much bigger than you think it it Uh, will be. I would imagine. And it's soft, but not in a like never worked in his life kind of way, but in a man who takes care of his hands. Mm. And it was like, and very inviting. It was like, yeah, it was was a real handshake. He looked right in my eyes and I said, thank you, Senator. (laughs) He said, thanks for coming. I was like, he really was happy that I came. So um, he is... Easily shortlist people I most want to meet in real life. Oh yeah, he would and be. have a discussion with. And in, if anybody here listening could get him on this podcast, and we'll take George Bush too. Absolutely. That either those are oh, my top two sake, presidents I'd like to meet. I'd get Donald Trump just for the fun of it. But yeah. you know, like let's yeah anybody come yeah. on the show, come on the show. Um, but the uh, and he also like my experience in that brief handshake that I had with him, brief two handshake because one on the way in, one on the way out. Yeah. And this was Iowa primary, so it was before. When there was still like 12 candidates, so he wasn't like the guy yet. Right. It was enough that I could shake it. Like there was like maybe 300 people in this in this gym um, that I got a sense of him enough in that thing that I feel like I've met Barack Obama. Oh, like man. I feel like I know. I'm so jealous. I voted for him. That, and that was the first person I voted for yeah. instead of against. And I yeah. was really excited about that because um, I thought you'd be a great president. I think he was a really great president. Which, by the by, that's that's another piece of that voting for versus voting against. Just to give shout outs to people that deserve it, John McCain. Yeah, I think last great I American love, hero. Yeah, I really I was a big fan of John McCain, and I remember thinking, um, 
even if John McCain wins, this is not bad. I no, really want Obama to win. Fine but then, then Sarah Palin came into it. And then I realized, like, no, John McCain cannot win. Right. Because this represents a whole... And that that is a change in the whole political... Like, I think where we are right now is you... It was laid... The groundwork was laid decade before that. Yep. But you really start seeing it peek through with the Sarah Palin yep. and the Tea Party and all of that stuff. And so... um. Then next election, I voted. So I voted for Obama again. And um, then this last election, um, I uh, voted for Hillary. I was very excited for a woman to be president. I'm not a huge Hillary Clinton fan. No. Uh, like, I think that just because she's been around so long and I think that she has, there's some really great things about her. And I think that the, the idea that she is uh, one of the most qualified people to run for president, I think that's true. Yeah. Uh, I do think that she, um, you could see how calculated her road there was, and it was over the last 20 years. And I, and I think that uh, there was a lot of um, things that, a lot of it's related to being a woman, but I think that there are some other women who could have run that wouldn't have had the same things. Yeah. So it does speak to a lot of chauvinism and things like that. And me being a white male, it's not the best person right. to be an authoritative version on this. So I do recognize that this is where I'm coming from. But I think um, I, she's just not... I, I, uh, I'm very disappointed with how that whole campaign went. Yeah. Um, and it, it was, uh, I mean, not least of which the, the result, but, um, it was, that was, uh, I was voting for Hillary, but far less than when I was voting for Barack Obama. Yeah. Um, it, it was, I, I can't imagine, especially at that point in the Republican party, who they would have put up that I would have voted for. But I certainly was not voting. <laughs> I would never vote for Donald Trump. No, no. Um, and I like Jeb Bush just to keep the Bush family around. I mean, I like him as a as an idea, but he, he was a very energetic. He was a dope in the, yeah. in the thing. <laughs> he got he got it handed well, to him. It, well, and he walked in thinking it was going to be handed to him. Yep. and it was, but not in the way that he thought. Right. And he he just he thought he was going to be the heir apparent. And I think that the, and part of me is that that's one of the things that frustrated me about Hillary's run is that it seemed so inevitable. Yeah, it seemed like well, I've I've it's now my turn. Yep. And I think that that's I still have enough kind of punk in me that does it when everyone says, well, this is what you're supposed to do now. Yep. I think, well, am I like, don't tell me what to do. Right. And um, that one just there's something. And again, I, I don't mean to like be alluding to something that more. It, it's not, there's nothing about Hillary as a woman, as, as no. anything that I had any issues with. And frankly, my the person I really wanted to run then was Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, I really wanted Elizabeth Warren in, in 2016 to run. Um, and it was clear at like there was some unspoken thing in the Democratic Party that only Hillary's running. And yeah. I think that's why Bernie was such a disruptor to them because it was like, no, we've agreed. No one else is running because look at that race. No one else ran. No. Um, I mean, two, two guys, two other. Like and, and I would give anyone $50 if they can name who those two guys are. I got nothing for uh, it. Yeah. Nobody knows who they are because they weren't actual candidates. Right. Um, and they only ran for like a, month. a minute. Yeah. And Hillary thought her, she was I mean, she thought it was her turn in 2004, too. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, all that is to say, I, I mean, I, and I, part of that's residual that over time, even as I've gotten, uh, I don't really like Bill Clinton, uh -huh. um, for a lot of reasons, uh, not only because he beat, uh, he got data Carvey kicked off inside of that live, but, uh, I, just as a president, I think he did a lot of stuff that actually hurt the country yeah. kind of long-term. Um, and so that's, uh, I, I think that some of that residual, my feelings toward Hillary are a lot of my feelings towards Bill. I'm not crazy about Bill Clinton. Huh. And I was just ready for something new. I think that we don't, I was not excited about the idea of having 
um, 20 years of American politics with presidents who only had two different last names. That's so true. Who either Bush or Clinton. I think that that was not a, I, 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 there's just so many people and so many good people in America that, that, uh, I was ready for someone new. And so that part of my exhaustion of, of the Hillary Clinton race was, had nothing to do with Hillary as a woman. Absolutely. Oh. Had nothing to do with even really Hillary as a Clinton. I think Hillary, <laughs> it, it Hillary. had everything to do with Hillary, Hillary as a Clinton. As a Clinton yeah. Had very little to do with Hillary as a candidate so much as just, I, I was ready for someone new. Yeah. Anyway, let's hear your story. So as previously mentioned, the, 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 like politics was not at all a part of who I was uh, growing up in high school. Like I just didn't care. Um, but then I had AP government because I needed to fill a class and AP meant I could get out of college courses. Yeah. And so this wasn't like civics, like how the Constitution is supposed to work. This was like politics and policy. And and we had Mr. Suvac. Is it AT politics? AT government. AP government. A- not yeah. AT? Not AT. <laughs> so was, was it for... Tra- no, it wasn't but, ADATs? No, no, it wasn't AT. It wasn't Walkers? <laughs> AT, AT government? So I remember distinctly, I can smell this when I think deeply enough about high school. Um, we had Mr. Suvac, who was the foot one of the football coaches. Oh, man, that sounds like such a government teacher. Right. He came into class. I had him first period every day, so he came into class with a two liter of Diet Coke Ooh. and one of the huge packs of Tic Tacs. Oh man! And he would share, and so, that was so he was a smoker then, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. You could read between the lines yep, a little yep. bit after the fact, uh, but I was a senior in two thousand two thousand one, so I had AP government in the middle of the Bush Gore debacle. Ooh. I think going into it, like a lot of people, if you take a civics class, you don't quite get the nuance of the electoral college and the, the all the like weird little things that that election between Bush and Gore exposed perfectly. Yeah, I got to tell you too that I was a um, having grown up in Iowa, mm-hmm. I was a huge fan, ha huge. <laughs> I want to emphasize the H in that. Yeah, huge fan of the electoral college growing up. Right. I, I now s- think. It's very stupid. Yeah. It has some merit, but it needs reworking. I understand why it existed. Right. I think it has reached its zenith. zenith. Yeah. And I think it reached that in 1972. <laughs> that was it. Yep. But so anyway, so I'm taking this class with a really dynamic professor, a professor, really dynamic teacher, uh, and this this whole electoral whatever quagmire is coming up between Bush and Gore that's yeah. exposing all the nuance of it and I'm just falling in love with it like the, the oh, yeah. process of it that was a great election to fall in love with politics absolutely it was it was crazy so much nuance and so many and it was like captivating yeah not in it like it wasn't a fabricated story it was an actual story. it was happening like in real time like yeah. the, the Supreme Court got involved everything like that and special costumes remember Rehnquist had that special oh yeah yeah he made like a special little like <laughs> robe for himself so fun like my fancy robe dangling cha- hanging chads that was the that was the thing yep. hanging yep. chads but so I remember right at the beginning of this AP government class we took a, a, a ideological sorter um, oh yeah like a little quiz what do you I believe like about those, yeah and I had no interest in politics at all so I take this thing and he puts up on the board, you could go from zero to 100 one way, 100 being totally liberal, yeah. and zero to 100 the other way being totally conservative. I was a three of liberal. Oh. So I was like. So it's like where you are in the Myers-Briggs yeah. with introvert, extrovert. Yeah, right. I yeah. was like dead middle. Yeah. Of, of And I don't mean that. So many of you were talking about, you know, people don't love the moderates or the middle ground anymore. Yeah. It's not that I can't take a stand on something. It's that I have as many very strong liberal yeah. views as I You're have a nine. very many strong. You can you can empathize. Yeah, right. Yeah, 
right. bringing it back to the Enneagram, Enneagram nines. <laughs> everything. Hey, Brian Wallace. Yeah, good to we, see you. But so, so from there, I got really super interested in politics. Um, again, I think 9-11 changes everything for everyone. Yep. Because um, what's what became a hobby. So you um, were what? You were 17? When I, was I, hit? Seven, I was 18 when 9-11 happened. I was in yeah. college. Okay. Um, Ooh, at, you just started college? Just started. Yeah. Um, it was, it was, those were bonkers times. And that's why the Iraq war is so interesting to me. Oh yeah. Because nine 11 happens and there's this whole, probably overblown, but still understandable. America's great. We're going for you. We're going to yeah. get our revenge. Yeah. And we go to Afghanistan and like, everybody's it felt, like, it felt like just like a just war. Yes. So, I mean that the feeling after nine 11, everybody, everybody, especially if you don't remember this, if you're too young, to remember this, which is pretty much anyone. Yeah, I mean, like any, less than five now. years younger than us. Like yeah. we're, we were old enough that both of us could have been drafted. Yeah. And so, and there uh, we was concern about yeah. that. Yeah. We like, and you had just registered. Yeah. I was 21. Uh, I was almost 22 at that point. Cause I turned uh, my birthday is in November. And so, um, that's, uh, it was a very different feeling. Yeah. And I, re- I remember thinking, uh, the one thought I thought on nine 11 is I went to a Walmart at the end of the day. And I remember feeling like, I feel like I should cry like all day. I felt like on the verge of tears and I don't think yeah. I ever did. But the one thing I remember coming out of it, I was talking to one of my parents are like, well, how do you feel? And I was like, well, I know I'm going to have an American flag hanging in my, in my yard when I grow up. Yeah. Which I don't, so, by the way, <laughs> so, that's a, well, things that's- have changed since then, but that that's, that was, uh, because it felt like we're all one. Yep. We are all together. There was as mu- as unified as the country has ever felt with the, like the two months after 9-11. Yep. And that's why Iraq is so, A, weird, and yeah. B, destructive. Yep. Because I could go down my dorm room, and, and for as diverse as IUP would allow you to be, uh, everybody's on the same page immediately after 9-11. Indiana and, University of Pennsylvania. Yeah. Can't decide what state we're in. Yep. <laughs> uh, and, and spoiler alert. It's, per- that's a that's a campus of the University of Indiana. That's no, a that's a Sally no, campus. That's its own thing. <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, You're not, they're not the Hoosiers. No, I, no. I they're the Hoosiers. Well, we called ourselves that just for fun, but no. <laughs> so so like after 9-11, everybody's on board. Yeah, Osama yeah. bin Laden. Let's go get, get him. him. Let's go yeah. get him. And then Iraq starts coming up, and I distinctly remember there was like a week in time where everybody looks up and goes, "Wait a minute." Yeah. This is different now. Yeah. And you get labeled into, if you're for the war, you're pro-America. Yeah. And if you're against it, you somehow don't support the president or don't support the troops. Yeah. And that's BS. <laughs> like that, it, yeah. it always has yeah, been. Because yeah. my thing was not that I didn't want war. I wanted war two weeks ago when we had an enemy that attacked us. Yeah. But this isn't that. So I'm asking some questions and I'm getting kind of nuanced and, and, and now I'm being told I'm unpatriotic for doing that. Like yeah. that's when some cynicism started to creep into the political. And here's one other thing to think about, which is weird now. It's It seems so weird to separate these two. Before 9-11, mm-hmm. football games have nothing to do with America. Correct. Before 9-11, Correct. country music has very little to do with America or in the patriotism yep. sense. I know that Lee Greenwood's God bless the USA had come out before that, but it was sure. God bless the USA, not put a boot in there right. of the, like the Toby Keith stuff. That's all 2002 and on. Yeah. So this notion that, uh, and I apologize for swearing. That's Toby Keith talking, not me. I was going to uh, say, do we need to put the little E on this episode? <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll beep that just because it's hilarious. Oh, you know what I'm going to do? I've also got to, um, what you say for the next 30 seconds, I'm just going to put beeps in. Okay. 
so yeah. that it sounds like you're swearing a lot. <laughs> Excellent. So, I'm try and make it sound like that. Yeah. Anyway, then I'm home and I couldn't. Oh, geez, Jay. Yeah. Anyway. Well, wait, to, 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 to put, I mean, to, to make, to drive that point home though, we live in a world now that we can't, I can't imagine watching a football game and not seeing a, uh, a, a an armed forces recruitment right. ceremony beforehand. And a flyover. Yeah. And, and, and turning on country music and not seeing everything being American flags and pro everything, like right. pro America, everything. But that did not exist in the way, yeah. like it, maybe there was inklings of it, but really not at all in either country music or football or the other parts of our country that have that. And truly, I think, you know, the, 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 the vitriol and the, you have to be on a side and nobody's in the middle anymore. You can trace it back to there. Yeah. The Iraq war at nine yep. 11. Yep. It, it has, it had been there before. And but, there were seeds planted in the, the moral majority of the, of the mid nineties. Yep. When the Republican takeover of the House, Newt Gingrich and everything, like they ran, they they uh, they they integrated Christianity and conservative politics in a way that we'll talk about a little <laughs> bit more. That yeah. I mean, but that's so the beginnings of that kind of happened in the nineties. But um, I mean, really co- coalesced in the nineties. Even that had been laid the groundwork of that since Reagan era. Yeah. Well, so I- really, all of this kind of comes into play because the. The Democrats and Republicans were switched before Kennedy. Yep. Like the Democrats were the conservatives and the Republicans were the progressive, like yep. social justice people until Kennedy. And then also like Nixon does all these things that are progressive now, which yeah. is crazy to think about. Nixon creates the EPA. Oh, yeah. That's my And not ironically. No. It's not like the Clean Air Act that Bush clear, creates that actually hurts the air. You're right. Uh, like the Clean Air Act is like to get rid of air, <laughs> to get rid of clean air. Clean it out. Yeah. We yeah let's that. clean out that air. Clean it out. Just fill it in with carbon monoxide. <laughs> we should be good. But uh, but all of this, it seems so weird, even to us who saw it happen, to remember a time before any of this right. stuff happened. Right. But it did. And so, sorry, I keep interjecting, but I think that that's important for us to both people who are younger than us listening, but especially people who are our age and older, like let's all collectively remember it was not like like this. this. Even in our as adults, as young adults, we were still old enough to remember a time before any of this happened. Yeah. And I know that people could push back and be like, well, it's already been like that. Well, not it has, but not like this, not in a public sense that that it was right. Um, so sorry, nine eleven happens, and right. you had to choose a side between pro troops or not pro troops. Right, and all of that came from the idea of being for the troops. This idea of support the troops, yeah. like that. Chance. I totally support. The, and this line of logic and that chance always, didn't really exist before that no, time. No, and this, this this line of logic never actually got anywhere. But like, I totally support the troops. I don't want them to die needlessly. Yeah. Like, I support <laughs> them by being anti-war. Right. Like, yeah. I want I, them to come I want home. To, I want to put them out of a job. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I too voted for Kerry, which kind of reluctantly, uh, that was a protest vote. Boy, um, one of my favorite lines about John Kerry, Lewis Black, the comedian, who if you like political comedy, yeah, and you don't mind a couple and curse sh- words and shaky hands, yeah, boy, that guy's got the shakiest tremoring uh-huh. hands. <laughs> but his one of his lines was the first time he heard John Kerry speak, he said, "Oh man, I don't have enough breadcrumbs to get home." <laughs> and I was like, "That's a hundred percent." You start listening to what his speeches, you're like, "Wait, what? Yeah. How do you?" Okay. Oh, man. <laughs> but I voted for him, uh, uh, again, with a sense of reluctance. That was my first election I could vote. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, George Bush gets reelected. And, uh, again, I like George Bush. I think he made some decisions that I would uh, maybe rethink. Yeah. Um, but then Barack Obama comes up. And I remember where I was when Barack Obama gave his Barry. announcement speech. Very. 
um on that cold day yeah he was yeah. freezing out i was sick so i was home like yeah. holed up in bed watching prices right yeah i think it was something like that and <laughs> that's, then the, that's what the, you have to watch cnn was like hey something big is going on in yeah. illinois and i watched it and i was like this is my guy yeah and at that point too again i was watching this documentary like so i'm uniquely prepared to talk about this hillary clinton had that locked up locked too, down i mean like completely from what 2008 yeah um totally locked and down. it was it was uh it was understood yeah it was her this is her turn she has she's she's put in her dues and she had worked really hard for it like i mean to her credit yep she had done everything she needed to do mm-hmm. and and she said real nasty things about him during yeah, the election. Oh yeah. Like that and has a big turnaround when she starts to support him. But like she was like as critical about him as anyone has ever been <laughs> about somebody in their own party. Right. And it, so looking at her at that being her turn in 2004, it then makes a little more sense that it was even more locked down in 2008 yep. or 2016. Yeah. That we're not going to put you don't get we're not going to let this chance slide by again. Yeah. Like, so nobody else is allowed to run. No more, no Barack Obamas are coming into this. Right. One. But yeah, I, I, so even then he's, you know, single digits polling, like not a big deal. I loved him. Yeah. Um, and he's I, a young guy. I mean, mm-hmm. like that's also, we, we are young people at this point and then, and it's nice to have a, someone like sub 50 yeah. to, to be excited about. And he seems genuine. He seems articulate. He yeah. seems, uh, and, uh, and I also, I mean, I don't think you hear it that way, but that's not code for articulate for a black man. No, like right. he's, he's articulate for a person running. No, quite the opposite. Like, so I was remembering again, this documentary saved my life on this episode. Uh, the, the, the whole Jeremiah Wright thing happens in the middle of all that. Yeah. Who um, I, who had preached at my seminary really like six months before that. And I thought this guy's great. <laughs> and this guy actually, so to bring it into the title of this episode yeah. and I am going to swear, but I'm going to beep this out. Okay. Um, that Jeremiah Wright told a story of Tony Campolo mm-hmm. and he said, it said Tony Campolo preached. So this is Jeremiah Wright speaking at, at my seminary. So I'm in seminary at this point this is 2005 to 2008, somewhere in there, 2006, seven. Anyway, who cares? Um, so he's preaching this seminary or preaching this sermon, Jeremiah Wright to this sermon seminary in Iowa, a bunch of white people. <laughs> and uh, he said he heard a sermon by Tony Campolo, who's this, uh, this preacher, this this guy from from New Jersey who is a seminary professor, at Eastern Seminary. I don't know if he still is, but a kind of a a, uh, a red letter Christian yeah. kind of social justice That's his guy. Deal. Yeah, he's yeah. a real interesting guy, and he gives this sermon that then Jeremiah Wright quotes from, and he said effectively, I don't know the statistics. He said last night a thousand children died from starvation, and most of you here don't give a shit about that. Mm-hmm. And the sad thing is the more. majority of you here are more upset about the fact that I said shit in a sermon yeah. than the fact that there's a thousand kids who died last night. And then Jeremiah Wright tells this great story that after that, his mom called him and yelled at him for swearing. <laughs> the sermon, she's like, I can't believe you swear that. He's like, mom, you missed the point of that whole story. Yeah. And so this guy who tells this incredibly charming story and in this thing then becomes six months later, the, the storm yeah. Jeremiah Wright. The big thing, because I want to be bleeped out too, is that Jeremiah Wright in oh, a sermon. Man, so many beeps in this one. This I know it's great. great. This yeah. is great. Uh, but Jeremiah Wright comes in a sermon, and it, the line is kind of pulled from context, but kind of not. Yeah. Uh, says, "God damn America." Yep. Um, and and, well, and the whole the, the slightly more context is they say, "God bless America," but instead, right. I don't say, "God bless America." I say, "God damn America." Right. And the the reason he's a thing is because that's Barack Obama's church. Yep. 
so this was all to the articulateness of and again i'm not saying that in code in any way yeah go find on youtube i'm sure it's out there the speech barack obama gives right after that about race yeah it's what won him the presidency that time around yeah. because he comes around not with a denial or i barely knew that guy or you know like the usual yeah. political yeah. tricks but comes out with the speech of like yeah he's my pastor and sometimes he says stuff i don't agree with let's talk about what he's talking about yeah. and let's do it in an open yeah, honest let's situation. get over the offensiveness of it and hear the actual points yeah that if you're so offended by how he said something versus what he said then you've missed what's going on here yeah yeah um, which is kind of where we are in life. Like we are 100% we are, there. We are very happy to be offended by the the manner in which someone protests instead of thinking at all about what they protest. Well, and here's where, so so the the next election between uh, uh, Trump and, and Hillary, what I think happened there. So and, this is 2016. Yeah. What I think happens here is, is fascinating. First of all, it's two people that I think, I agree with you. This is not, I don't want a woman to be president. There are, any number of women that I think could do it running now. Yeah. Uh, and Hillary could have done a fine job too, but it seemed to me her motivation was more. I want to be president. Yes. Than yes. it was. I that's want a to good, help people. that's a good articulation of, I think what rubbed her the wrong way, rubbed me the wrong way about her is that it was not that I didn't think she would be a good president. No, She'd be great. It's not that I didn't think that she was not deserving of the presidency or any of these things. I think it was, I struggle with people whose ambition is so clear Yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, dubious of it. And I mean, the ambition of Donald Trump was so clear too. Like he didn't care about, he didn't no. have any plan. He just wanted to be president. Right. And Hillary had lots of plans, but she also really wanted, wanted to be, be president. president. And that's where that election got a little nuts. It was a, it is, was a hard election because of that. Yeah. It's two people that want the job. Yes. Not to do what the job requires. Yeah. And I mean, um, one could argue that Hillary did want to do that, but it, 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 one could also very much argue that she wanted to be president on a level greater than her desire to serve as president. Right. What she did, and I mean, Donald Trump, we could spend hours talking about what he does that's destructive, but what she did that was most destructive is the bla the basket of deplorables line. Yeah. Because what happened in that moment, and it, again, this is something that had sort of always been true, but gets amplified right there, Yeah, is to say the policy issue isn't what I have a problem with. The people who hold that policy issue are what I have a problem with. Yeah. If you are a Republican, you are awful. Well, and I think that that's that to me is a an example of the modern politics of intentionally taking things out of context. Yeah. Because I think that the context um, that she had was not all people who support uh, Donald Trump are deplorable. Right. It's that he has people in his sphere of influence, white supremacists, yep. neo-Nazis, who are deplorable. Right. And so that the, the basket of deplorables that she was talking about was not all Trump supporters. Right. But when you take it out of context, it sounds like it she's in heard it's, that way. It's and there like, were more than a few people on the left that were living into it. Yeah. And, and, well, you and know. it's like, it's like when, um, uh, Obama said that, uh, people hold on to their Bibles and their guns. And yeah. it, like, when you take that out of context, boy, that sounds like it's pretty critical of crit of religion. Yeah. But in the, in the larger context of that statement, he was talking very truthfully yeah. about a region of the country where the two things have been yoked in such a way that they're almost inseparable. And right. same thing when he said, you didn't build this. Yeah. If you listen to the whole sentence, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. He's saying you didn't build the public, the roads and the bridges right. and all like the infrastructure that comes around this. This was built by the public works. It's not any one business that built that. But then people took that intentionally 
twisted the words to say he was critical of people who built their own business. That is not what he said. It, you you have to cut that sentence in half to yeah. get that out of it. And boy, again, and boy, they did. They did. Yeah. Um, and it's a similar thing with Hillary and the back to the yeah. deplorables is that she wasn't saying all people who support him are deplorable, but it really doesn't sound great. No, it's not a good soundbite. And no. we are in a world of soundbites. We and, don't we don't want complete sentences. We want phrases. And that's exactly where people ran with yeah. it. You know, so now, yeah. you, you know, you're a snowflake or you're, a, you know, a MAGA nerd or whatever yeah. insult you can actually say without getting the bleep button back out again. Yeah. Um, but and so just to finish putting my cards on the table for the rest of the conversation, which is already probably two episodes at this point, I am still a registered independent. I don't get to vote in primaries in Pennsylvania. Um, I only registered so I could vote in the primary. Yeah. I'm yeah. this close this time around. Cause there's, yeah. it depends on who's left when Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania is so late in the cycle. Yeah. Usually they have yeah. it sorted out by the time it comes around to us. That's so true. like, probably won't matter um but we'll see but i vote i have voted for as many uh republicans as i i think i have democrats Mm -hmm. um pat toomey is an interesting cat to me yeah super conservative on a lot of different levels but man is he on the front on gun control and like yeah that's true what's neat about him is i uh you know i've written letters to him when gun control comes up and he takes a stand on it and usually write a letter say hey thanks for doing that like he, an actual letter or an email? Like an email. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I wanted it to be a handwritten letter. But he actually writes back. Oh, and nice. Like, he and I have actually had some conversation about like, okay, you're my senator. How are you representing me? So like, yeah. happy to vote for him. We disagree on yeah. so much yeah. when it comes to policy, but like he's taking the time and I can see he has the best interests yeah, of the country he's at heart. trying to and, represent a, a somewhat diverse, and we, I mean, Pennsylvania is an interesting place and especially where we are in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. because Pennsylvania really is a red state with two huge counties yep. that are blue. Yep. And we live in one of those two counties. That's so true. So Allegheny County where Pittsburgh is and whatever the county is that Philadelphia is in, it's probably yeah. called Philadelphia County. Yes, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's called uh, Wooder County. <laughs> it's like a Will Smith County. Will yeah. Smith County. <laughs> <laughs> in West Philadelphia. No, it was That's Jan- just the western part of the, yeah. of the city. <laughs> just there. over there. But so, I mean, but the rest of the state is pretty deep red. Yeah. James Which is Carvel really said interesting. Pennsylvania is Pittsburgh and Philadelphia with Alabama in between. Yeah, and but the population distribution is that the two cities on their own almost outnumber. Yeah. yeah, and in the past have outnumbered the middle of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm totally independent and um, not in the I don't have strong feelings about things. I do. Yeah. I, I, it just I have strong feelings on different ends of things. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. I was trying to think of if we were going to cut this into two, which I didn't even think about, but we probably should. Yeah. Uh, yeah how? Right. What would be a good finish? What's the uh, What's the Thanos finger snap of this episode that would? Well, so you wrap know, it up. You could pose a question here. Let's do that. Uh, you pose a question. So the question I think that leads you to, if you come at it truthfully in 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 a spirit of charity that we've gotten this part telling you what we think and what we believe about politics. Yeah. And this is setting the table for a larger conversation that will enable, we can have this conversation um, next time better because of this. Yeah. Yeah. The question is how does faith play into politics and how should faith play into politics? Yeah. Cause I'm not telling anybody how to vote or I honestly, truthfully don't care how you vote. Um, what I care deeply about is how, your faith and your politics are combined because there are really, really healthy ways to do that. Yeah. And there are really, really unhealthy ways to do that. And that's a left, right thing in yeah. equal parts. It and I, w- I would phrase it and I mean, not to, I think this is what to, both to not to contradict you 
yeah. or to put words in your mouth, but I'm going to do, I think what could ac- Go ahead accurately both. be described yeah. as both. I wouldn't <laughs> say that we don't, I, I don't, I do care how you vote. I don't care who you vote for. Yes. Yeah, that's fair. I think that how you vote is huge. Yeah. The, the, uh, you need to vote informed. You need to vote. You need oh, to yeah, vote yeah, yeah, yeah. straight up. You need to vote. Everybody yeah. needs to vote who's over 18. There's no reason not to vote. Uh, even if you're underinformed, go sure. and vote go for vote. who you know yeah. about. This is- uh, it's okay to vote against somebody mm-hmm. if you don't know very much about the other person. Like it's okay to just know, I don't know about this person, but I know that guy's terrible. Yeah. So I'm going to vote for this person. Or yeah. I don't know about either of them, but I do think we need more people of color and, and women in politics. So if I, if I could had to flip a coin, I'll, flip a coin to the people of color and yeah. and and women if i know nothing like sure. just to get more diversity uh, i think that that's a, that's an okay thing to do but and it, it, how you vote should not be on one issue it should not be on party line and it shouldn't be uh, from a sense of ignorance yeah. like and ignorance meaning just under education like uh, under under educated about the issues. I would even say willfully under educated. Willfully, yeah, 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 and and that yeah, that's that's a better way of saying it. They're just if you only are if you just watch one news channel, regardless of what it is, and just vote for who they tell you to vote for. Yeah, that's a problem. There's also um, uh, churches. Um, there are things. So I'm a big proponent of separation of church and state. Yeah, I think it's a huge thing. I think it helps the church as much as it helps the state, and that's kind of. Where so the the whole title of this episode is uh, the theology of ice cream and cow manure. Yeah, and the, it comes from the idea that uh, of mixing politics and we'll and, and I would even substitute that word for empire. We'll break that down a little yeah, bit more yeah. in the in the coming like either the rest of this episode or next episode. Uh, so politics slash empire and religion, mm-hmm. and when you mix politics and religion, it's like mixing ice cream and cow manure. It ruins the ice cream, but it doesn't really do anything. It doesn't hurt the cow manure. Right. And in that analogy, ice cream is religion. Religion. And uh, when you are, um, so the separation of church and state is important for the church. And uh, the state doesn't matter. It actually helps the state when there is no separation because it gives the state more power over people. Um, And so that, that separation really helps the church. Um, and the, one of the biggest things that is a subtle thing that keeps like, since I've been a head pastor, so I'm a solo pastor at a church. Um, one of the things that I encounter at every election cycle is that somehow just the stack of papers is pamphlets that say they're voting guides. Yeah. They just show up. I don't even know who brings them. Somebody, some other affiliation. They're all like who here are and the exclusively it's just here's who's pro life. Yeah. Vote for these people. Yeah. Um, I always take them and put them in the recycling bin because one, they're straight up illegal. Yeah. You we as a church are not allowed to give you any kind nope. of things that say here is point blank who you're supposed to vote for. Do you know they're trying to repeal that, by the by? As yeah. Outside? And that's terrible that's because that hurts the church. Yeah. Um, and we'll break that down a little more coming into it, but there are, those kind of things are bad. So in that sense, don't let your pastor, don't let us tell you who to vote for. Don't let anyone in your church say that if you're a Christian, here's you who you vote for. They, now now it may be (laughs) you as a Christian, here's what you should care about. Sure. Like as a Christian, you should care about the environment. As a Christian, you should care about the immigrant and the orphan and the widow and the the your neighbor and the people that would hate yeah. you and those that would attack you. And those aren't 
politics telling you that. That's what Jesus says. Right. Straight up, that's what Jesus said. Jesus says a lot of things, and there's a lot of things that we say that Jesus says that he's not really very clear about. Yeah. But he's very clear that we need to care about immigrants. We need to care about the poor. We need to care about widows. We need to care about orphans. We need to care about people who are underprivileged and who are disenfranchised. Yep. And we need to care about um, the people who, like, like tax collectors are basically hedge fund managers and yeah. like unscrupulous financial people who are rich people. So we need to care about rich people who are, who have done bad things and poor people who have no agency. Yeah. And we need to care about all of those things. And we need to care about the planet. That's one of the, that's one of the two jobs that God gives Adam and Eve at the very beginning. So these are not political things. These are biblical things. Like these are, these are God mandated commands. Right. That we do. And here's the here's the crux. This might be the beginning of the next episode. I don't know. But or the next Wait, you put, put, you put your button on the end because I interrupted you. You were just about to button up the the last of that. Well, I think this. this so your question. Sorry. This is, well, Re- reframe that question because I. Well, here's the reframing of the question because I think this is what starts in the next thing. If you are a liberal and you come to me and say, I think this policy, this policy and this policy will best help live out the words of Jesus to take care of the least of these, take care of the planet. Fantastic. And if you're a conservative and you have very different views, but still say, this is how I think I can take care of the least of these, take care of the orphan, the widow and take care of the planet. Great. Yeah. It's not a question of whether or not you care about those things. It's a question of what's the best way to do that. And if you can get to that level of politics where you're talking policy and not this side, that side, team A, team B, deplorables, MAGA, whatever. It, how, if you quit labeling and just start saying, okay, you want to save the environment. I think X, Y, and Z are the ways to do it. Well, I think X, you know, A, B, and C are the way to do it. Okay, let's talk about that. But it's not a question of do you care about the issue? Yeah. It's just a different way to do it. Yeah. Um, so how do you get to that place in this climate is a really hard question. And how do you let uh as one more there's a question we kind of addressed at the very beginning how do you let your faith mm-hmm. impact your politics without letting your politics impact your faith so true and that's a very and 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 really think about that question and if you need us to break it down we'll break it down more but uh and we'll break that down in the next hour um <laughs> but uh i think that and i don't mean to be cute about that that flip around i do but i think that's essential yeah. Yeah. And and we have in this country allowed our politics to dictate our faith and to dictate what faith is to people outside of the faith. Right. So that people who are looking at the church and aren't sure what it is, they're being told, here is what a Christian is by a very specific political party and political um, uh, objective. (laughs) And that is not... what what faith is right. it's not to say that people uh, that conser- conservative people or even kind of really hard-lined conservative people cannot are not christian this is no. not to claim to to denounce others as not being christian but to say that they are the only christians is just straight up not true right it's just false right right i don't i mean fake news is not even the right word for it because that's a that's become a thing it is just objectively untrue right no, and there are very well-meaning Christian liberals. There are very well-meaning Christian conservatives. Like again, don't paint everybody in the team A, team B brush. Like yeah. it's, it's, yeah. this is not it. So I think that that's 
And it may be that if we do this in two step, it may be that this is like a Monday episode and a Thursday episode. Yeah, we could or something like up. that, where it's it, it's all in one week, but it's not uh, it's not trying to overwhelm you at one shot because uh, we want you to think about take some Sela. Yeah, yeah. Think about this. So stop, collaborate, and listen. And think about politics and think about what this means and, and tweet us and let's not start arguments about this. No. Uh, I will uh, shut down yeah. anything that looks like an argument. But let's actually talk about this because really the whole goal of this is to, un- to, to unlock the sense that we're not allowed to talk about politics and that we're not allowed to have conversations about politics. It's very different than having debates about politics. We seem to only debate about politics anymore. We don't right. talk about them. So uh, do that on Twitter. Engage with us on that uh, engage with each other on that. Uh, we'll be back uh, either within a week or in a couple days. Probably in a couple days, yeah, we'll, I think that's we'll post the second part of this. And I think we should leave everybody on a big cliffhanger. So, yeah. the most important thing that you need to know about politics and religion is. <laughs> that's a terrible way to end the episode. So. <laughs> Bartleby's here. Bartleby, what are you doing here? We're not even done. <laughs> All right, Bartleby. We'll talk to you uh, uh, next week. We'll see you guys next week, too. I've been Tyler. I've been Jay. And uh, this is Rough in the Password. Yay. Okay. Oh, that's the best way to do it. Oh, we're still recording because I pressed pause and then...